I was seven years old and I went to my Pop Warner podcasting team practice and my podcast coach said to me, Tom, it's not about hitting your marks or empty space. It's okay to say ums and ahs. All you want to do is have fun. And I kicked him in the groin and I said, listen, you piece of shit. The only thing that matters in podcast is winning. Download numbers, time listened to, increasing metrics. And if you don't believe that, you're not a real man. And then I punched him in the face. I slept with his wife and then I went home. And from that day forward, I was dedicated to winning at the podcast game. I'm sorry. Um, extremely sorry. You know, we were hoping for an undefeated season. That was my goal. Something the floor has never done here. But I promise you one thing. A lot of good will come out of this. You have never seen any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season. And you never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season. And you never see a team play harder than we will the rest of the season. God bless. Welcome to Take the Points. So <laughs> Tim Tebow's story about yelling at his coach when he's seven, we say, I say I believe it 50%. Dan, you say 5% that it actually uh, happened. Ryan, yeah. what's your take? Oh, it's 100% true. You think it's 100% it's true? Okay. Every Tebow story is 100% true. I was, I was, I thought <laughs> we would start with a divisive topic on Take the Points. I'm in the middle. Dan is not a Tebow, Tebow believer. Ryan's a true believer. Um. That never happened. I have no idea. I genuinely would believe that it happened exactly like that or that it didn't happen at all. And he completely made it up. And Ryan, it's Ryan in, buys it's, into the it's in his book. It's in his book like 10 years ago or like whatever it was. He wrote his book. It's in that too. I read his book. Well, you know I read his book. Listen, man, just cause it's in a book doesn't make it true. Um, I want to get your guys' take on um, what's it? Untold swamp country or something? I can't even remember. I call it urban warfare. Swamp kings. Swamp kings. Yeah, could have come up with a better title. Urban warfare would have been where I would have started, but there's a lot of better mm. options. Um, my feeling: I'm three episodes into the four. I'm you know in the middle of the 08 season, so don't tell me how it ends. But uh, I had heard a lot of people at talk about it you guys are included in that and you had told me you know they they gloss over all of the crime stuff they barely talk about aaron hernandez and the pounces and all that other stuff they pretty much try to make urban look good dan i think you called it the pg version of the gators and all of that's a hundred percent accurate but with that in mind like taking it for what it is just a story about the team on the field i actually kind of like it like I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. The stories are fun. It's entertaining. There's a lot of funny, albeit unintentionally funny stuff. Um, what are your takes? It's absolutely horrible. It's, uh, they, they did a terrible job. It is the PG slash G version of the Florida Gators. Um, it's an urban Meyer fluff piece, clearly intended to try to get him another coaching job. Um, the first episode was good, like the football stuff, first episode and a half. And then I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's talk about Chris Rainey 
sending some bad tags and Percy Harvin choking out a coach. No, nothing. Instead, they're like, Chris Rainey, you know, he didn't have a dad, and he really overcame a lot and just really a team leader. I'm like, team leader? Uh, it's not what I would say. Um, There's a lot of Urban. that, like, he overcame yeah. adversity, and then they, they don't say yeah. what the adversity was. He Well, he did overcome adversity, but that doesn't um, excuse the reckless behavior that went on afterwards. So the whole thing sucked. Um, it made the Miami U documentary look 10 times better than it already was. Oh, of course. Which was kind of of a course, nice, that one's the best. Yeah, I mean, so that was a nice upgrade. But um, yeah, I'm really disappointed. Uh, it should have been like nine episodes long and really got into the deep nitty gritty. Uh, but instead, they're like, yes, yeah, the bad stuff happened. But anyway, they played Alabama in the SEC title game. And let's talk about that. Like, no one gives a shit. And the final thing I'd like to mention is that it confirmed what we've talked about on Take the Points for many years. And that is Steve Adazio is without a doubt the worst football coach I have ever seen in all levels of football. He holds the number one power ranking. Every time Florida struggled during the Tim Tebow years, it was due to an offensive line issue. And it wasn't for lack of offensive line talent, seeing you had Marcus Gilbert starting at left tackle, went to the Steelers in the second round. Maurice Pouncey, center, went to the Steelers for 10 years. Right guard Mike Pouncey went to the Dolphins for about seven years. And I don't know who the right tackle or the uh, left guard are off the top of my head, but I'm sure that they made it to the league as well. So uh, Dazio, totally useless, screwed up Florida in key spots, fucked up Boston College, and was fired and ejected at halftime as head coach of the mighty Colorado State Rams. Never forget. Um yeah, that was just basically a reason to bash Adazio on my rant. But the whole thing was pretty much bad, and uh, fuck off, Steve Adazio. I, I have a question for you guys, but Ryan, do you have any additional thoughts on the documentary? Um, well, since Dan took the one horrible assistant coach, I'll address the other horrible assistant coach. They didn't even mention once that the wide receivers coach beat the hell out of his wife like regularly. Like, didn't even mention his name. Like, there's a reason Percy Harvin choked that dick out. He's an (laughs) awful person. Like, he deserves... I'm glad Percy Harvin beat the hell out of that guy. They didn't even talk about it. And that bothers me. And just all the coaches in general bothered me. A lot of... uh, a lot of stupid shit in the weight rooms. You know, smacking players, screaming. It's just lunatic stuff that's just absolutely useless so you know and that's you know that's my my lane i'll stay in my lane the coaching side that that was really bothersome to me it was an urban meyer slurp fest and dan's 100 percent right it's just about getting him his next job so which job do we think that is is that the is that the second part of this thing is where's where's no. urban going next we'll, we'll get to that but i have other questions what you just described i think is why i like this not as a tale of what actually happened from 06 to 08 in gainesville but to me this is like um there's all those like inside the mind of a serial killer shows on netflix and this one's actually much better at breaking down what a psychopath looks like 
Um, there's lots of different character studies that I found interesting. Each of the coaches and each of the guys who are featured is like a different kind of insane person. And, uh, it just, you got like the whole spectrum of crazy folks and insane folks and psychos urban, obviously your classic psychopath. Dan Mullen though, is like your angry sports dad guy. He's, um, sitting there in the proper interviews like, well, golly gee, we just had a great time down there. And then they show like the camera in the locker room that when he doesn't know it's on him and he's like, fucking punch them in the face, fucking kill them, stomp on their face. Then you got like uh, Brandon Seiler, who's basically um, like a scared straight type of dude. It's like, like hold my pocket. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, Brandon James, the little receiver, he's the classic nobody believed in me guy. Even Tebow, who we all love, he shows a little like glimmers of being a psycho at times. He's, he's more of the like falling down type psycho where, uh, I'm surprised he didn't totally break. Um, and then there's, there's <laughs> others, but this is my question for you guys and you must choose an answer. Which of the psychos did you personally relate to the most? Which Florida Gator are you? <laughs> I can go first if you want. The one I related to the most was definitely Brandon Spikes, where he's like, man, why are we doing all this shitty hard work? Like, we're just real good. We can just get on and do this. And then uh, after a while, he's like, oh, shit, I actually have to, like, try hard. All right, I'm going to go with with a two-person answer. That'd be Mike and Maurice Pouncey for myself because I always support my bros no matter what's going down. I don't give a shit what the charge is. I, I believe you over all other. I don't give a fuck. I would like to say Tebow, but that's not accurate. I'm going to say Brandon yeah. James. It's Brandon James is the answer. The little guy who's driving around with a little bit of weed in his car. That's. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah. oh, come on. He got, I, he's like, I got busted. And I was like, they made a huge deal about it. And then you like look back on that documentary and they're like, what did he have on him, Dan? It was like, it was like six grams. It was nothing. Yeah, it was nothing. It was like, it, it was such a little amount that it was like a joke. And they made this huge deal about it. So I, I like Brandon James. He was cool. He wore the extra medium t-shirts. Love it. Of all the things they left out, the fact that they focused so heavily on that offense I was like, that wouldn't even get you arrested, I don't think, at this point. In Florida, still. Well, no, I think they legalized. Didn't they legalize in Florida? I think they did. Uh, I don't know, but it certainly doesn't seem like quite the offense in hindsight. All right, folks. It's time to get into the actual reason we're here, which is picking college football lines. Um, Dan, you lead us off. So, uh, you know, anything you want to say before we get into the actual games? Uh, yeah, quick week one recap. Um, not much really to talk about outside of coach prime and the Colorado buffs going into TCU and pulling out a nice win. Uh, yes, TCU lost a lot of points. Yes. Georgia probably shank sung them in the national title game pretty bad last year that we've not had a show since then. Uh, that was an epic whipping. Um, the people who are into the stats of college football are a little bit concerned with Colorado because 
they, you know, had like 30 first downs in the game and only won by three points. And usually that's a bad metric and all these other things, but it doesn't matter. It was just really exciting to watch. Great way to start the year. High scoring game. Really enjoyed that. Um, Penn State, I thought, looked very good. Uh, nice to see a quarterback with a real arm throw a football. Enjoyed that. Um, are you now, Washington- Are you insulting Packers future starter Sean Clifford? Yeah, he will be starting by week four. Um, we're, I know this, but he still has a rag arm. Um, Penn State looked good. Florida State looked great. Um, really great second half. LSU looked uh, confused. And Brian Kelly looked like he was going to murder somebody on the sideline. Um, but the most impressive team is the Tinder team of 2023. That'd be the Washington Huskies dismantling a very good Boise squad who's going to win 9-10 games this year. Boise has an outstanding running back, great defensive line, a uh, mobile quarterback, and it looked like they could have scored 100 points. Um, I, I cannot wait to watch watch Washington all year. Um, super fun. So good kickstart to the year. This week, too, is a little bit late as well, um, but the schedule really gets good. I was looking at some of the future weeks coming up. Unbelievable stuff coming up here in this college football year. So it's a wide open year. Um, the traditional kind of powers, a lot of flaws. Clemson, obviously, offensive issues. Bama, question mark, and quarterback. Georgia, can you really go three in a row? They've lost a lot off that team. LSU looks like they aren't the answer. Um, USC has no defense. Texas is Texas. Oklahoma's Oklahoma. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? Michigan has got Jim Harbaugh. Is he really going to get it done? Ohio State hasn't been able to win a title with all the talent they've had, and now they got no sort of quarterback. I don't know what's going on there. Um, it's a really wide-open year. This is probably the most wide-open year we've had um, in a while, and um, the haters who say college football can only be won by about three teams, uh, I think that's not the case this year at all. This isn't Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and nobody else. It's I really think it's about 12 teams that can honestly win two playoff games. Um, so strap in and let's have some fun. All right. Sounds good. Do you want to make any kind of season predictions before we start or should we save that for the end? What do you want to do? Uh, Ryan, now or later, your choice. Let's, let's save it. Let's, let's talk right. a little football, get kind of get the, the brain moving. I like that. Here. I All like right. that. Okay. All right. Well, Let, Danny, let's do some lines. There's no way to start the college football year to get the brain moving more like Illinois at Kansas and head coach Brett by and transfer stiff Luke Altmeyer going on the road to Lawrence, Kansas to take on the high flying Kansas Jayhawks. Kansas minus three on Friday night, total 57, a rare night ESPN game for Kansas. You never see this. Uh, Nice to see their program get that. Even though we all hate them in basketball, we have no problem with the football team, which is kind of cool. Look, uh, Kansas has a great offense. Illinois has one of my least favorite head coaches and a total train wreck at quarterback. I'm sure Illinois has a better offensive and defensive line. I, I, I don't care. I'm not going to fade Kansas on Friday night at home. Be a lot of energy there. Give me the Jayhawks minus three. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Illinois was lucky to escape last week. I know that Toledo is the favorite to win the MAC and the MAC we love, but 
Kansas, you know, now is as good as any Mac team. So if you're struggling uh, um, against Toledo, that doesn't bode well for uh, going into Kansas. I mean, we're assuming Kansas is going to be hot like they were at the beginning of last year. They kind of faded down the stretch. So we really don't know quite what to expect from them. This is, I mean, we're only in week two. There's a lot of games where we don't quite have as much information, but um, Illinois looks like they've certainly taken a step back. And as a Penn State fan with them coming up week three, I'll be curious to watch this. I probably won't bet, but if I have to, um, I'm going to go with Kansas at home. Dan, I mean, you're the resident SEC expert, I guess, of the three of us. Um, I'm more Big Ten. You know, you guys are both really in Pac-12 country, but you're the one who pays the most attention. Luke Altmeyer, I mean, was he ever good or? No, he's another uh, S, uh, another quarterback who who can't throw. Um, he's in the um, Garrett Schrader. Ooh. Um, Jeff Sims, um, who was the the guy, the other white guy, in Mississippi State before he transferred out? Anyway, Jackson Dart uh, is he still there? He can actually throw. He's the one who can't. But anyway, yeah, he 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 can't throw. So Illinois is just going to run the ball, uh, try to you know five yards in a, in a in a cloud of dust. One thing I do want to mention on this game, I forgot to mention, is Illinois actually had some good defensive backs. Last year, and they but they went to the pros. That was really the, they played amazing in that bowl game against Mississippi State. I, I got to give credit where credits due, but uh, they lost two guys to the draft. Not good uh, when you're facing Kansas, who likes to chuck it all over the field. So I don't know, Ryan, what you got? Um, I, mean, I got Kansas. You guys kind of covered most of it. Um, it just comes down to quarterback. It's Altmyer's not good, and both Kansas quarterbacks are are really good. So I don't. I think it really matters who they play, but I will say Jalen Daniels showing up to the Big 12 media day. Did you guys see what he wore? Oh, it was the best. He had a huge chain, right? But on the ch- in the chain was, an, was a s- video screen, and it just showed his highlights from last season. <laughs> so he walked around with a, wearing a giant chain that just had a video screen of all his highlights. That's all you need to know about this game. They're wrong. I, you guys talk, I'm going to be on Amazon right now, ordering one of those for myself. I'm going into work on Monday with just like my best work moments on this highlight chain. I mean, it won't be as exciting. It'll be like me doing a really good Excel spreadsheet, but you know, it'll still send the same message. All right. So I guess we got Kansas as our consensus pick. Uh, and then, I mean, I would lean an under if you had to big 10 West, but I don't love it. Kind of agree. Okay. Let's move on to Saturday. Uh, Notre Dame travels to NC state to take on Brandon Armstrong, Brendan Armstrong, wherever the hell it is, uh, in the NC state Wolfpack, Notre Dame coming off a win against a like D seven school last week and a terrible Navy team uh, with nine months to prepare for them. Um, So, of course, they're extremely overrated. NC State, however, had the misery of going to Rentschler Field and being lulled to sleep by the UConn Husk. UConn's defensive line, actually not bad. Armstrong, not the best. Sloppy game. Um, 
so this game probably if NC State blew out UConn and Notre Dame uh, wasn't facing two early cupcakes would be closer to a pick'em. But I think this is a good spot uh, where the Lions move. Real quick, quick caveat for week two. A lot of people overreact to the first week, and there's shit that's all messed up. We see this every year. We're like, how did that happen? You're like, oh, yeah, they had nine months to prepare for that first week. Um, moral of the story, Notre Dame minus seven, total 50 and a half. Uh, Z, what do you like? Well, on that note, I was expecting more of an overreaction to this one. I actually thought it was going to be Notre Dame by, you know, 10 points or so. And I thought we were going to get better value with NC state. So I'm actually uh, a little depressed that Vegas doesn't seem to be overreacting the way I feel like the public is. So, um, I don't think the value is as great as it could have been in past years before every single person on earth gambled and everybody knew everything. So back when we started this show in 2011, we would have been, uh, the relative sharps, but now we're just, uh, we're not getting that value. So I think, um, I, I think if you can get a touchdown with NC state, they're probably the pick. However, I will not bet against Sam Hartman. And the thing about the transfer portal and the nils and all that stuff, um, it makes it hard because traditionally we don't like Notre Dame and we try to root against them, but I've just spent four years loving Sam Hartman for his time at wake forest and what he's done down there. And now he's at a, no offense to wake, but he's at like a real big time program. And I kind of got a root for him still. So I'm not going to bet against him. I think he's the real deal. I think he's the best quarterback Notre Dame's had in quite some time. And I think this team might actually end up being good, you know, uh, on his shoulder. So, um, it's a stay away. Um, no, I think Tom, you were right. The, when you started, you talked yourself out of it. It should have been Notre Dame minus 10 and it's, it's seven, seven and a half. So value wise, I think Notre Dame is the play. I don't think NC state's any good. I watched a lot of that UConn NC state game. They are, they're just slow. They're not fast enough. Notre Dame has athletes. So I'm going to go with that. I, I mean, I think we're saying the same thing. Like, I think Notre Dame's actually decent this year just by watching them. I think they're good, and it's because of Sam Hartman and the transfer portal. Um, yeah, but you said stay away. I think this is an easy, easy play. Oh, okay. Well, easy I don't, Notre Dame I don't play. think it's – I want to see them play this well against a better team, and this will be the week to learn. All right, I'm going to have to straighten both you guys out right now. I'm disappointed. You guys grew up in Syracuse, New York. What do you know about a road NC State game early in the year with a more talented squad? You ever see Syracuse win this game? No. NC State, money line, outright, mark it down. All right, let's move on. No, I, I got a question for you guys. Go right ahead. Uh, as far as guys who uh, had a rib bone removed, which is cooler? Sam Hartman getting a rib removed? to make a necklace or Marilyn Manson getting a rib removed. <laughs> Manson. Easy. Next question. All right, let's move on. Um, Nebraska, Colorado. All right. So what are the biggest line movements you'll ever see in college football? Uh, an hour before the Colorado TCU game kicked, it was Nebraska minus nine and a half. Slid all the way to Colorado minus three. It's a 12 and a half point move. Total 59. Now, the line move is warranted. Uh, 
Sanders and Hunter on Colorado are Heisman candidates, and Jeff Sims is uh, the co- is the quarterback in Nebraska. And Nebraska is Nebraska. Um, I would love to take Nebraska here. I really would. You know how much money has been wagered on Colorado and Las Vegas is pulling for Nebraska. And if there's ever any conspiracy, this is it. But I I just can't back Jeff Sims. I can't do it. I can't do it. I will not lose money betting with Jeff Sims the entire year. Full year stay away until he's benched. I'm not touching this game. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, I think I'm going to go with an over. And I think I'm going to go with Colorado team total. Don't care what it is. If it's under 40, it's the play. They're just going to chuck it. They're just going to go fast. And they're at home. They've been training in this weather, in this altitude, all offseason. Nebraska is coming in from the flatlands, have to go up into the mountains. It's not going to be pretty. I Nebraska sucks. Uh, like they bad. They're not good. And they're going to just try to sit on the ball. And after they have like three, three and outs in a row and it's 17, nothing shit's going to get out of control. Prime for the win, bro. Uh, Colorado team total 31, 31, oh, I love 31. It. Oh, I, oh, love geez. It. I thought it was, gonna I, be- it, I think you're right. Uh, Ryan, that's a really good call. I think I'm just going to bet the Colorado team total. This way they can give up 40 and lose in some weird world, but I don't think it's happening. Tom. That's a nice bet, the Colorado team total. I like that one a lot. I This is another example where I expected the overreaction in the line to be greater. I thought we were going to see something like Colorado minus six or seven or who knows. But again, Vegas is always uh, a step ahead of the public. So Colorado is not quite as good as they appeared and, you know, as, as hyped up as they are right now, they're not quite that good. Like they're a top 25 team, but they're not a top 10 team. Nebraska conversely is not as bad as you would think losing 13 to 10 to Minnesota, but Nebraska lacks the talent that we associate with Nebraska. I mean, at this point we're on 20 years essentially of mismanagement and bad coaching in that program. Uh, rules just like, even if rule ends up being the right guy, it's going to take a couple years. It's kind of like Billy Napier down in Florida. Like it's just going to take time if it happens at all. So they just don't have the guys and especially to compete with this kind of Colorado firepower. I think they will keep it close for a little while and uh, I think they can hang, but I think Colorado, again, probably wins something like 37 to 31, something in that region. So team total, Colorado, I don't know what the over is, but probably an over too. Yeah, 59. And it's, um, it's at Colorado, which makes a big difference. If it was at Nebraska, my opinion might be totally different. Colorado having to, you know, go there and renew this old rivalry, it could be a different story. If it was in Nebraska, Dan would be 100% right that the refs would have that shit on lock. Vegas yeah. would have every referee in that game's family in a basement tied up. <laughs> I, I don't expect Colorado to score at will the way they did against TCU. But, you know, I think, it, I think they still have the advantage. It's possible. I mean... It, it, it's very possible. I, I would not be shocked if Colorado somehow dropped 52 
uh, themselves. So I'm betting that team total. I'm actually going to take notes this year of what we're talking about that I like and try to bet them every week. Speaking of games that I love, please, if you don't listen to anything else I say this episode, just, just listen to me about this one for 10 seconds. UNLV at Michigan. Michigan minus 37 and a half. Uh, last week, Michigan did not cover against the mighty, who the fuck did they play? East Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Harbaugh was sitting at home with a walkie-talkie during that going, are you kidding me? That's it. Next week, we got to win by 65. So go ahead and bet your whole life savings on Michigan minus 37 and a half. I am 100% sure Michigan will win this game like 59 nothing. I think that's the exact score. We don't need to talk about it. It's the Harbaugh effect, 100%. This is the, um, okay. I'll just well, add, this is the Georgia rule sorry, from last year that like they're going to allow three points. So the question of whether they cover is just how many points do you think Michigan's going to score? I like that. Ryan. Here's a question for Tom, the Big Ten expert. Yes. Is Drew Aller the best quarterback in the Big Ten? You put me in a very difficult position as a homer, um, but from what I've seen, yes, absolutely. Uh, I do think uh, J.J. McCarthy is pretty good. And Ohio State remains to be seen. Like, I always have to err on the side of thinking that the Ohio State quarterback's a super talented guy, even if he didn't necessarily show it. You know, uh, I saw stats that, CJ Stroud and Fields and Haskins. I saw their first game stats and they weren't that impressive either. So um, at this point right now, for sure, Drew Aller had the best week one. And I would take him if this was some sort of like, you know, fantasy situation. I would absolutely take him as my one pick in the Big Ten. He's the real all those other, All those other Ohio State quarterbacks you mentioned turned out to be trash, by the way. Uh, it was just the system thing. Uh, but anyway, well, uh, CJ Stroud remains to be seen. Justin Fields no. went to the Bears, so he's a, garbage. He count Dwayne Haskins. We're not going to get into that. Uh, and then who else? They're all bad. Troy, Troy Smith. Bad. Troy Smith was great in the NFL. Who do you play for? Cardale. Well, Cardale was he. He won the game of life. Joe Germain. Uh, all right. So Herb, anyway, Herb Street, um, Herb, Herb Street, is he the most successful Ohio state quarterback? Troy Smith. They're all bad. All Drew, right. Drew so, Aller would be my current number one pick of big yeah. 10 guys. Absolutely. The real deal okay. for sure. Michigan by 50. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, old miss at Tulane, kind of a fun game. Um, old miss minus seven and a half. Uh, Ole Miss scored like 100 points last week. Tulane, overachieving team from last year, 1-0 already this year. Uh, total 66. Ryan, take it away. That Ole Miss game last week was hilarious. It was 7-7, seven, 7-4 seven, seven, seconds of the game. Like, <laughs> it was hilarious. Seven minutes into the game, it was already like 28-7. Like, Ole Miss is just going, dude. They're just going hard. I really like Tulane a lot. I think this is a really tough road game, like an underrated tough road game for Ole Miss having to go down to Nolens early in the year when the weather's still nice. Oof, that's a tough 
it's a tough spot. I don't know if I actually, for me, this is like a total stay away. I think this is the Ole Miss team total. This is the, the coach prime, coach Kiffin, parlay, taking Miss team total and parlaying it with a Colorado team total. And that's, that's what I like. Z. I think Ole Miss beats them by 20. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I really am not sure in this game at all. It's a game where I feel like I normally would like put money on the over, but somehow it doesn't come in and I'm pissed because they're kicking field goals. So uh, I have no feel on this one. That's why I defer to my my boys. Okay, let's move on here. Same time slot. Here's a This game is, is pretty fucked up, but this is not the your opinion is wrong game of the week. Texas A&M at Miami. I know. I thought, this, I thought this was going to be it. Not? This is not it. It gets worse. I think it was oh, it last year, Dan. I think I think this was the game you <laughs> debuted this segment last year. It's very possible. For, for new listeners or those who have forgotten, your opinion is wrong is our favorite new segment where all possible bets are incorrect and Dan explains why. And I was Thank sure you. it was going to be this game. I knew you were. That's why I went for a little week, week two trickaroo. All right. So Jimbo and his new high flying offense. Um, who's their offensive coordinator now? Who they got? Bobby Petrino. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Motorcycle Jim, Bobby. Jimbo and Mr. Michael, Michael, Bobby motorcycle are riding down to Miami to go check on the Miami uh, hurricanes dumpster fire, uh, which is currently still a blaze. Um, Jimbo's laying four for some reason. The total's 51. It's not great. Gun to my head. Give me the four points because I'm not laying four with Jimbo on the road against anybody, I think, at this point. Um, don't like it. Do not bet real currency on this game. Ryan, go ahead. Under 51. That's 100%. This is going to be a sloppy, sloppy turnover fest. If you want to get real fun and you have to watch this game, put some props on both quarterbacks, like over one and a half interceptions. This this might be one of those games where it's like both quarterbacks has like two touchdowns and three picks. Way under. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, pretty I already good. kind of tipped my hat saying this should be the your opinion is, is wrong game and no bet seems good. I would, if this bet existed, I would bet that one of the teams has a weird score, like something ending in a two, you know, 22 to 18 or some kind of score you never see would be my bet. I'm going to take the points with Miami and it's a big leap of faith, but my only real justification is you've got Jimbo dicking around in like year eight, doing the same thing he always does. And then you've got Cristobal in year two, when traditionally teams and coaches make a leap and based on his past history at Oregon, he just, he's a good coach in my opinion. Uh, he's got himself a mess down there, but I'm going to bet on him over Jimbo. Game's going to be terrible. Not as bad as this next one. Iowa at Iowa State. Can I, can I jump in for a second before we get to <laughs> yeah, the worst ahead. fucking game ever? <laughs> Speaking of Jimbo sucking and Texas A&M wasting talent, I mean, uh, aside from maybe our friend Mac Brown, nobody knows how to waste talent more than Jimbo. Haynes King, former Texas A&M quarterback, was tearing it up for Georgia Tech last week. That's right. 
Mm-hmm. Better than he ever played with Texas A&M with five-star recruits. He's, he's doing that with robotics guys. So great misuse of his talent down in A&M and uh, more to come. What a joke. Okay, speaking of jokes, Iowa at Iowa State, Iowa minus three and a half, over under 36 and a half. Guys, it looks like the line makers made a mistake here. Um, are they not aware of the new rules where the clock doesn't stop after a first down and there's less plays and possessions? Because that total seems a little high. You took from where I'm looking at. Iowa. <laughs> you took Iowa. And you gave them Look, a 36 line when teams get fewer possessions. I mean, who was, who was saying you got like this four, is, four possessions in the game? I forgot what coach said that. Which Brian was Kelly. Yeah. Brian Kelly, not happy. Yeah, got to hand it to Brian Kelly for that one. That's a rare good moment by him when he's like, hope you sold a lot of ads. Okay. Um, yeah, let Dan, me just go through. What's sorry, your pick? Ahead. It's a tough okay, one. Hold on. What do you think? It's a tough one. Uh, Okay, there's so much to talk about here. Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz said his goal was to score 25 points a game. Well, they put up 24 last week at home against Utah State. Let me just go through their drive chart with you real quick, just real quick. First possession, touchdown. Second possession, touchdown. Great start. Now, here we fucking go. Ready for this? Turnover on downs. Punt. Punt. Field goal. Punt. Punt. Touchdown. Punt. Punt, punt, punt. They scored 10 points in the final 52 minutes of the game at home against one of the worst teams in the Mountain West. Horrible. And now they're going to go on the road against Iowa State, and that totals all the way up there at 36 and a half. Under the lowest outline you can find first one to nine wins this game. <laughs> if we don't get our, um, our fabled 29.5 over underline this year, I'm going to lose it. It has it's a to good come. Point, Tom. We never got we it last year. We never got it last year. We got to 31. I think we got a 30.5 at some point, but there's never been a 29.5. This is the year. Uh, Real quick, some more fun info. Iowa State's quarterback's is, first name is Rocco, I th- uh, which isn't good. And, um, uh, yeah, no one scored any points in this game. So, um, Ryan, do you have anything else to add on this? Under. <laughs> That's correct. Moving on. All right, we got Western Michigan traveling to Syracuse to take them on at the JMA Wireless Dome. Uh, Syracuse minus 24, total 57 and a half. Syracuse getting a lot of love. Big performance over Colgate. Uh, could really draw a lot of conclusions from a team's uh, outlook for a year when you play Colgate. Um Garrett Schrader is still the quarterback. He's got to be 27, 28 years old at this point. He might be the oldest guy in the history of college football besides Chris Winkie. Um, you guys got a pick on this game? Is Syracuse going to lay this and cover against a max squad? Ryan? Uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if 
I don't think Western Michigan's any good. I don't think Syracuse is any good. This is probably that's too many points. I'd probably stay away. Dan, are we going to talk about LSU this week? Yes. Uh, no, but go ahead. I think they're off, so go ahead. Okay, I think they're off as well, but uh, my mind is not good these days. Um, I was stunned at many things watching Florida State LSU, you know, the performance of LSU and just their team character. But the thing that made me laugh and shocked me the most is when uh, Keon Coleman transferred from Michigan State, who's now amazing at Florida State, caught a touchdown. I mean, he caught three, but there was one specifically, and they're like, oh, he beats out the Syracuse transfer starting at LSU. I Listen, Brian Kelly did a nice job last year based on expectations. Maybe they'll do okay this year, but the character of LSU football for our entire life is gone in one year of Brian Kelly being there. Can you imagine Eddie O, let alone Les Miles, let alone Nick Saban, taking a Syracuse cornerback transfer and having him start for LSU defense? Sad. He wasn't even their number one corner. The number one That's corner the thing, was yeah. a stud, and he went to the pros, and he would have been a first-round pick if he didn't blow his knee out near the end of the last uh, his last year. Like, this guy's not even the top corner at Syracuse. He was the two at best. Not good, Jim. Not good. Yeah, I mean, it's an, it's, it's an indictment of Brian Kelly, but it's also how crazy the transfer portal has changed things. I mean, Florida State, um, I know it's been a slow upward process, but they're so much better this year. They look like the SEC team, as you said, Ryan. And aside from Jordan Travis, I think their next four or five best players are all portal guys. Meanwhile, LSU, who is the SEC team, their portal starter is a guy from Syracuse. So it just shows you how much college football has changed. Anyway, I don't give a shit about this game. Next. Accurate. Uh, okay. Uh, real quick. App State at UNC. UNC minus 19. Total 58 and a half. 58 and a half, huh? Here it well, comes. Uh, seeing that both teams went over 58 and a half on their own last year. This is too low. Do not bet the under. Even if it wins, it's the wrong bet. Only bet the over. We don't need to talk about this. But I'm Dan, sure we all agree. But Dan, they held, North Carolina held their rival and uh, Heisman candidate Spencer Rattler to only 17 points. And Mac Brown talked about his new tough defense. North Carolina's got this great defense now, Dan. Don't you agree? Gene Chiggins is still involved, so that is wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. That's all there is to say about that. Okay. This is, um, the, this is the over of this game's the bet of the week. Absolutely. It's correct. Um, Mr. Drake May is solidifying his top five draft status every week. Um, all right, next game. SMU at Oklahoma. Um, look. SMU scored a bunch of points last week. Oklahoma scored about 100 points. Total 68 and a half. Um, look, I'm kind of inclined maybe to take SMU in the 15 and a half they're getting against Oklahoma. I think it's a little too early to think Oklahoma's back to being dominant. It feels like they could have a sloppy defensive game. Give me SMU in the over with something like Oklahoma wins 42-37. I don't know. 
It feels like that might happen. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on this one? No, I, I think you're right on track, Dan. I think SMU has the ability to, to keep it within two scores. There's always the backdoor possibility. Venables is not the same as Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops. He's not a dick who wants to run up the score. Like He's not going to get that last Urban Meyer, Ryan Day touchdown with, with 48 seconds left to go up three scores. So I think you're on the right track. I like SMU plus the points, and I definitely like the over. Great. Z? I'm not as high on the over. Um, I, I mean, we learned nothing about Oklahoma in that first week. I mean, that really didn't – it doesn't make a difference. So we just have to kind of go off what we saw last year and knowing what we know about Venables and what type of coach he is. I think you're probably right. The line's probably close. I wouldn't mind a small SMU bet with the points, and uh, I'm not huge on the over. Like I said, I'm, I'm expecting like a 36-24 type of game. Sounds good. Okay. Um, without further ado, game of the week, Texas at Alabama. This is the one uh, everyone wants to watch this week. Um, Bama minus seven, total 54. Both teams played very coy in the, their games last week, trying not to show their opponent much of anything. Uh, I don't think you could read much into either performance. Look, there's some historical stuff here. Texas is 7-2 and all-time against Alabama. The two losses are when their starting quarterback got injured in the first half of both games with Colt McCoy and uh, Quinn Ewers last year. Bama has a new quarterback. Um, I have a hard time betting against Alabama, um, but them being at home, they're still Alabama, still five stars everywhere. I will take an under 54 in this game. That's my pick for this game. Uh, I think both defenses kind of uh, checked the other one a little bit. Um, last year's game wasn't high scoring at all. Um, Texas actually played an amazing game on defense last year. Um, they just couldn't hold on. They couldn't stop Bryce Young on like a third and 17 scramble or something like that. But um, great game. Really looking forward to you know having some chips and salsa. and Maybe I'll throw some ribs in the smoker for this one. And uh going to be a lot of fun. Ryan, give me your breakdown on this one. I think again, I think you're I think you're right on track. This is tough to pick a side on this, but I definitely would lean the under. I think the under is the play. I think this is gonna be a uh, a field goal game. Um, I think a lot of this game's gonna come down to just a lot of teams in the red zone, like figuring out who's gonna which quarterback can actually perform in the red zone. Because we know yours just likes to chuck it around and all that stuff, but when the windows get tighter and you got a Nick Saban secondary, it gets really, really tough in the red zone. And I think Milrow is a freak athlete, but the same thing. Once it gets condensed and tight in the red zone, he's not quite the threat you know, that he is in the open field. So I think this is going to come down to which team could score a couple of red zone touchdowns and which team's going to settle for field goals. So I like the under two. If I had to pick a side, I'd probably probably lean towards the home team but it's close i kind of echo what all of you have said i find this one very very difficult to pick i mean if i had to pick a score i probably would pick alabama by seven which is unhelpful so if there's any line movement that might influence what i actually do on the day of 
The one reason I'm kind of higher on Alabama this year in general is recruiting classes. And Ryan, maybe you can weigh in on this, but their 2017 class was considered like the best recruiting class ever. That's the class where you got Tua and Mac Jones and those four great NFL receivers and a bunch of other guys. And it's basically the class that helped them win multiple national championships with essentially like an A squad and a B squad. And I had heard that the 2020 class, or maybe it was 2021, was actually better than that, allegedly. I know that the rankings don't always um, like translate to real life, and they don't mean that much, but this would be the year where that class kind of you know sees the field and becomes the leaders of the team, and I'd expect big things from Alabama across the board. Um, Texas should have won the game last year, but this one's in Alabama. It's different teams, and... I don't know. I think it stays close, but I think Alabama's going to pull away maybe at the end, win by 8, 10, 12 points. Uh, that's my prediction, but I am kind of high on Alabama this year. A lot of motivation for the Longhorns. You know, uh, Quinn got hurt last year, and he definitely wants to win. Sark playing against Saban. Motivations with Texas, histories with Texas. I'm probably going to bet Texas and the under just to have a little sweat on both sides. I don't think it's going to be a Bama over, but, hey, I've been wrong before. Let's roll the dice. Bama Speaking said, of revenge yeah. games. Go ahead. Oh, we yes. both got something. No, go I, right ahead. Keep I, going. I, I want to say quickly, um, I heard an interview. This is something we've been talking about for probably five years on Take the Points, that Alabama, you know, they keep winning championships, so it's hard to kind of doubt what they're doing. But, like, we keep saying that, their 09, 12, 11, 15 teams were better than the more recent ones because they focus more on the run and offensive line and defensive line stuffing the run. And the scores weren't as impressive as when they were blowing teams out in 2020, but the team was better built to win these big games with run game and that kind of Alabama offense. And I heard them say with Jalen Milrow at quarterback and his set of talents, that they were thinking about getting back to that. And so that's another reason why I'm more encouraged about Alabama that maybe he won't be Bryce young. He probably won't because Bryce young was extraordinary, but overall that the fact that he's not Bryce young might actually help the team overall. Ryan, except, except the person calling plays is Tommy Reese and Notre Dame douche. He's a good offensive coordinator though. No, he's not. Get out of your big 10. Get out of the Midwest. These sucks. He's a shit quarterback. He's a (laughs) shit play caller. He's so freaking pasty. He's going to die in Alabama. He sucks. No way. Here's the question. If Alabama takes out yours this year, does Arch Manning come in and create the legacy right away? Well, he's third string allegedly. So it wouldn't. Yeah, be yeah that's, that's not going to happen in Tuscaloosa. He's the backup. <laughs> what I'm saying is, if I'm Alabama, I am not taking out Quinn Ewers this year. I'm letting him stay in the game because I have a feeling that when Arch gets his chance, it's over. Just I have saying. that feeling too, and I'm curious about next year. This is something we can talk about later in the season. But like, what if Quinn Ewers is not? like NFL ready or whatever. And he wants to come back another year for Texas. And now Arch is going to sit on the bench for two years. So nope. I, that, that's something to watch. No, yours, yours is first of all, is not an NFL quarterback. I think he's overrated. I mean, he's not going to be, I don't think he's, a he's got terrible mechanics at this point. Yeah. So no. there's a good chance no. he's going to want to come back. He's going 
to the Spencer Rattler school of I'm going to get beat out. I'm going to transfer somewhere else. Whoever got a starter this year, who's like Bo Nix is graduating after seven years. UNC, Oregon. Yeah, that Ewers will go somewhere. He'll transfer again. All right. Okay, moving on, guys. Uh, Oregon and Texas Tech. We got a revenge game here. Oregon cast off quarterback Tyler Schlow or Shaho or Schlau, whatever. He's at home against Bo Nix in Oregon. Texas Tech coming off a mail-in loss at Wyoming. Bad look. Classic uh, motivation angle. Gun to the head situation. Can't start 0-2. A lot of people pick Texas Tech to win the Big 12 this year, and uh, they might have some egg on their face real fast. Of course, these would be two non-conference losses, so it wouldn't matter. But um, Oregon minus 6.5, total 69. Ryan, you always get to pick the Oregon games. Go ahead. This is really tough. I think if you just kind of look at it on paper, you're like, oh, this is Oregon less than a touchdown. is That, that should be easy. But like you said, the 0-2 start, Lubbock, Texas, is not a great place to go. Um, but also keep in mind, I'd say probably, what, 60% of Oregon's roster is probably from texas or that area so it's an interesting spot uh what's the over under dan 69 and a half god that's 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 right like yeah that's right like a 38 35 38 31 type of game i think this is really tough to pick honestly this could also be a your opinion is wrong game i don't feel right about any side on this I can't take an under for sure. Over no. feels over feels really tough, and, and the motivation angle it's tough. Lean Oregon, but it stay away. Don't like it. Yeah, Z. Same for me. Slight lean Oregon. Uh, stay away from the total, and I have nothing to add except that going to Lubbock is the equivalent of Texas Tech going to Wyoming last week. Super hard game to pick. Uh, you should be betting Texas Tech, but no. Oregon, their offense has been ridiculous. Uh, be, they're kind of scary, so I'm not. I'm not doing it. Oregon's all in right. that. They're in that dozen teams you mentioned that could, you know, win it all, but mm-hmm. you don't know, or they could lose three, four games. Could the Heisman? Could the Heisman finalist be three Pac-12 quarterbacks? The last year of the Pac-12. I would love it. It won't happen, but it could be. There's, it they certainly be. deserve it. And by the way, you guys, as the West Coasters, take a minute to gloat if you want. Pac-12, best conference in football right now. I know. Undefeated in the first week. Um, impressive stuff. All right, let's move on. Uh, Ryan, um, well, Memphis at Arkansas State. Uh, boo. Ooh. Uh, Memphis minus 21. Um, mm. this is what we call a tease in the podcast. We're going to go ahead and lay that 21 Jim, and, and, and we're going to have a, a situation here. We have the first tarmac report of the 2023 season. And it's going to be a short one, folks. We know we're running long. We know we got a lot of games. 
So this tarmac is going to consist of one coach and one coach only. And that is Butch Jones. Butch Jones, who's been on the tarmac pretty much every year of his coaching career as a head coach. What they did last week was an absolute embarrassment to football. 73 nothing. Like, this isn't Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma. This isn't Kyler Murray, Oklahoma. This isn't even Jason White, Oklahoma. I mean, my God, Butch, have a little pride. They were so bad. He was awful. It's, it's bad. Do you give up over 300 passing yards in the first half to Dylan Gabriel? Butch Jones deserves to get tarmacked this week. He cannot make it to Halloween, people. He cannot make it to Halloween. We have to do, we have to start a petition. Butch Jones needs to be out before September ends. Let's go. In your memory as the tarmac expert, what's the earliest you remember a coach being fired? I think we had a guy in week three or four last week, right? Last year, I mean. Yeah, we did have an early one. I think we've had like a week two tarmac before. It's it's Butch is going to put a, a a run at the record. We lost so many. We lost so many good men last year that I don't even know who's really like the worst ten coaches now. It's there's a lot of room for newcomers and bright. What's the opposite of a rising star? A falling comet to emerge. So we're just we're gonna we're gonna hold out another week. We're gonna let some things shake out. We don't want to overreact to week one like uh, like the betters like Dan mentioned earlier. So one week, one tarmac. Butch Jones is the worst coach in college football. He makes Steve Adazio look like Vince Lombardi. Oh my God. Let's go. He was um, uh, he crossed a Rubicon for me in this last game where I I believe he was quite literally crying on the sideline toward the end of the game. And I was just like, I, I don't even like, I can't even joke about this guy anymore. We, we just need to get him out for his own, you know, for his own mental health, for all of us. It's like the right thing to do. I like it. Moving on. Thank you, Ryan. Okay. Uh, just a couple uh, games to wrap up here. Nothing too crazy. A couple interesting things. Uh, Wisconsin at Washington State. Um, Wisconsin looked um, horrible the first week, and Tanner Mordecai may not be any good. Uh, they're definitely adjusting to this new system. They don't really have the players there to run the new system. I think it's pretty obvious. Washington State, meanwhile, I fucked up. I faded them last week. I took Colorado State at home. It was the anti-Adazio year two play. Um, uh, I thought they would be, you know, home dog. They have a chance. Cam Ward looked like the real deal in year two in Division 1A. Threw for 450 yards and three touchdowns. Give me Washington State plus six at home against Wisconsin. Night game, totals 58. Washington State's pissed off. They don't have a conference. Oregon State and Washington State, most motivation of any two teams in the country this year. 
Um, both teams looked awesome last week. Really like the six, and I think I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on that money line too. I think Washington State could definitely get this win in Pullman. Um, Ryan, thoughts? It is not easy to go to Pullman, Dan. I'm glad you threw that in at the last uh, last bit there because that is the theme of this game. Wisconsin has no idea what they're taking themselves into going up to that place. It is, it is, it makes freaking Madison, Wisconsin look like Manhattan, freaking New York. It is nothing in Pullman, and it is tough to play. And you're right. It, it, Cam Ward is, I mean, the top five Heisman candidates might be quarterbacks in the Pac 12 at this point. Like, I like money line on this one a lot, a lot. See, um, stick up for the Big Ten. Uh, well, I, I can kind of do that, but I'm also going to agree with you. They're going on the road to a very difficult location to play against a team that looked great last week. That's got, you know, we talk about revenge games, but it's a revenge season for Washington state and Oregon state. And I'm, I'm going to um, favor them. I might not bet them every week, but I'm going to rank them more highly than they appear just based on talent on the field because of that factor. So they're on my watch list. And so it's just a tough ask for any Wisconsin team, but Dan, you really nailed it. Like they don't have the personnel to do what they want to do. I would say, Based on what I saw, I I like where they're headed, you know, considering what I've seen out of Wisconsin the last couple of years. And now they've got a proven coach, a uh, proven quarterback who definitely is adjusting to a uh, higher talent level league. I mean, that was obvious that he was, you know, you're not at SMU anymore. Um, but he could end up being good. And then, you know, guys like Braylon Allen and the other running back were not built for this kind of system. They were built for what Wisconsin was doing the last few years. So all things considered, I thought Wisconsin did all right. And I like where they're headed, but you know, in week two going where they have to go and playing this team that's clicking on all cylinders, this is a tough ask. I would take the points and I wouldn't be surprised if Washington state wins outright. Very good. Uh, I have two late games to talk about and we can talk about anything that I missed. I did miss one already. I want to briefly touch on no surprise Tulsa at Washington Tulsa has a freshman quarterback, and they're going to Seattle. This Washington team is ridiculous. They remind me so much of the Kellen Moore Boise State team. It's uncanny. Super similar, right? Left-handed quarterback, three good wide receivers, outstanding offensive coordinator, home field impossible to win at. They look like an improved version of that Boise team, and – you can get on FanDuel right now and get Washington at plus 450 to win the Pac-12. Um, uh, there's definitely some value there. I think they can make the playoffs this year. Spoiler alert. But um, yeah. go ahead and lay the 35 against Tulsa. And um, Washington's team total is 49. Uh, yeah, they're they're getting in the 50s. Michael Panics for Heisman. Any thoughts, guys? We make a lot of bad predictions on this show that don't come true, but we also make a lot of really good predictions really early. And this is one you've been on since last season. You said that um, Washington looked great and that going into next year, it was going to be Penix for Heisman and Washington for a sneaky playoff pick. And you were saying this like 
they were already out of it last year, but you were saying this like week 10 or something of last season. Thank you. Uh, they were my, it was my favorite head coaching hire before last year's. Uh, Kalen DeBoer is now 91 and nine all time as a head coach. That's remarkable. Um, fun fact about Washington too, the most talented quarterback allegedly on the roster is not Penix or Dylan Morris. It's their true freshman. Highest uh, ranked Washington quarterback recruit in team history. Six, five, five-star quarterback. Um, they said in camp this year, it was just like absolutely uh, ridiculous watching them throw the football. So they're set up for long-term success. there. um, powerhouse of a program. Um, yeah. I mean, Peterson, really, really awesome stuff. Peterson did a great job building them for the future and then, you know, sort of handing yep. them off and they're going to, they're set up for success. If, um, if they can keep it going, they're going to be good for a while, but you know, again, sneaky playoff pick this year. I'm riding with Washington every game. Very good. Okay. Two games left to talk about. Let's go out to Southern California first. Stanford at USC. USC minus 29 and a half. Total 69 and a half. Tom, will you bet any USC unders this year? That's a no. Okay. They have all the elements of a great over team. They have a Heisman winning quarterback. Great talent across the offensive uh, field, a coach who loves to score and a defense. You could drive a Mack truck through. Are you aware of who the new Stanford coach is? No, I thought it was David Shaw. That's how out of it. I am on the West coast football. It's correct. Former coach of Sacramento state. Do you know anything about Sacramento state? Uh, no, I went hot air ballooning over Sacramento once. I got two words for you. Air Raid. Last week, I bet the over in Stanford, Hawaii, which came in. And this time, you get an air raid Stanford team with a really sneaky, underrated quarterback going in and playing against USC. Ha, 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 ha. And a total in the 60s. Take all your chips and shove them right in there because both teams are getting over 30 and one team's getting over 55, I think. So... I'm going to go 59-38 USC in this one. Ryan, any thoughts? You stole my line. I had I had 52-33. So, okay. Air Raid. Stanford Air Raid. Who would have thought, right? Hey man, they got to um they got to get ready for the high flying ACC. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um <laughs> I, I, I mean obviously I like the over, but 30 points seems like so much for a you know, historic rivalry like this. I know that the talent disparity is huge, but like, I don't think they're going to lose by 30. Me neither. I kind of like Stanford. I I actually liked what I saw last week. Um, They had some playmakers and the fucking air raid just knows how to kind of like neutralize talent, you know, because they do those little short passes and then they hit you with a deep one. And yeah, I mean, that USC was, the, that was quite literally the philosophy of the air raid with Leach and how yep. mummy and those guys like to neutralize the great talent of these better teams. So it's mm-hmm. perfectly built to take on this USC team and the USC team. I mean, they're just not good at passing defense unless they drastically no. improve this week. They're the perfect team to do an air raid against. Yep. Really like, really like this one. All right. Last one. 
Your opinion is wrong. Oklahoma State at Arizona State. Oh. Oklahoma State minus three, total 56 and a half. This is a real fucking doozy right here, boys. Ryan, who do you like and what total do you like? Dan, I like the home team and I like the under. Okay. Home <laughs> team in the under. You like Arizona State, who just beat Southern Utah 24-21 at home in the middle of a fucking dust storm where the game was delayed 90 minutes. You think that bag of trash team with all their sanctions, thanks to your boy Herm, is that is going to cover any games against a real Power 5 squad? No chance. And sorry, what did you like over or under? Under. Under? It's going to be 110 degrees. The defenses are going to be so exhausted. No one's going to be able to make any tackles in the second half. Players run up and down the field. No chance. Going way over. Tom. What do you like for this game? Yeah, I mean, Ryan, come on. You're just being foolish now. The obvious, obvious answer to this is that Oklahoma State is going to cover and there's going to be an over. Mike Gundy, you know, historically great passing games and offenses and Arizona State's in shambles. It should be easy for them to roll over Arizona State and get that over. Oklahoma State in the over. You are, you've totally checked out, Tom. Oklahoma State just be central Arkansas at home, 27 to 13. Their starting quarterback played the entire game and threw for 118 yards passing against Central Arkansas in Stillwater. 118 yards. 118 yards. You would have been an over. You would have been an over with a guy who threw 118 yards. And then you got Arizona State who scored 24, 24 on Southern Utah. And you're going to bet an over. <laughs> you're just, you're, you're, looking, you're looking me in the eyes and tell me that you're going to bet an over in this game. Ladies, and, ladies and gentlemen, mind. America's favorite segment, your opinion is wrong. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> you get a golf clap for that one. <laughs> that game is so fucking bad. There's no way to know what's going to happen. Both teams are so bad. I was hoping for fun ASU. No, 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 no. No, they're terrible. And this is the worst Oklahoma State team we've seen in like 15 years. Um, Dan, you're, I mean, you're a ASU bad. homer now. I mean, you live down the street from the stadium. What are your thoughts on the prospects of the Sun Devils? Can't get worse. You had Herm Edwards <laughs> and Todd Graham. Uh, can't get worse. Ryan, by the way, I have a ticket uh, request in with the um, Miller Light people for tickets for the Colorado game on October 6th. I will keep you posted, but I don't see why it'd be a problem. I said for some, and I said for some reason those aren't available. We'll take tickets for the Oregon game in October or uh, November. Good consolation prize. We'll see Bo Nix against their old offensive coordinator. That'd be a fun one. But um, guys, we'll definitely go to one of those two games. Given what we know now, is Herm Edwards the worst hire in the history of college football? No, Steve Adazio at Colorado State is up there. Willie Taggart at Florida State is up there. Oh, I forgot about Taggart. At Colorado State dude? is lower lower stakes. Who is the dude at Miami with the with the tie? Al Golden. He was Golden, pretty fucking yeah, bad. Yeah, oh, yeah. he was just he's a Penn, he's a Penn Stater, so I can't say gentlemen. anything bad. We need to go. <laughs> 
just go to the refer to the tarmac segment earlier and say Butch Jones was a failure at Arkansas State, but he coached in the SEC. We didn't That's know. That's the worst hire of all time. With yeah, Butch Jones as an SEC head coach. But, but did we know at the time it was going to be bad? Yes, because we all know with a hundred percent. No, we knew Butch would be terrible. All right. Well, the tarmac is just never runs out of candidates. They keep funneling bad coaches toward the tarmac report. All right, Dan, you missed a game, an important one for gambling purposes. Utah, Baylor. Mm, Yeah. Baylor coming off a uh, shocking loss to Texas state, which I know Ryan has things to say about. Um, And then Utah with a big win over Florida and the line is five and a half last I checked. Now I know this is an overreaction game and that Baylor should be better and that Utah kind of, you know, may have um, gotten a little bit of hype and maybe they won't be that great, but I'm just looking at talent and Utah has got talent all over that field. And I mean, again, a great PAC 12 team that, you know, is within those 12 teams that have an outside shot of the playoff. So I still even accounting for overreactions, I feel like Utah at minus five and a half is a great pick. It's the Pac-12 parlay weekend. We're going to let it roll after going 13-0 the first week and a half, two weeks of the season. We're going to do a Pac-12 parlay of Utah, Washington State, Washington, Cal to beat Auburn at home. That's right, oh, Cal to beat Auburn at home, and that's it. USC, I can't. USC over. Yeah, if you want to put the over in there, but I'm just saying those four. I like Utah, Washington State, Cal, and Washington. If you really want to go all in and do like a real power move bet, how about a parlay on uh, every single Pac-12 team? I mean, I, I mean, I know that, you know, USC plays Stanford, so that makes it tough, but maybe if they win by like 28, you can tease both teams. If you can get a line on uh, like Oregon state, UC Davis, but there's not going to be a line on that. So, well, whatever's on the board, I'm going to do a parlay of every single pac 12 team to win once again. Do it. I love it. I love it. It's coming in best conference in football. They are. All right. That's all I got for this week. Anything you want to say, Dan, to end the show? Real quick. Let's do our four playoff teams. All right. uh, Michigan. Washington. Florida State. Alabama. Finals. Washington. Michigan. National champion. Michigan. I don't like it. Big 10. It's wow. pathetic. I know. I know. It's, it's the worst work I've ever done. Right. No ch- First of all, there's no chance they're going to let Michigan win a national title the same year they suspend Harbaugh. That's just not going to be, that's not going to happen. And the other reason is that I don't think Michigan is going to win the big 10. Penn state. I have the best quarterback in the big 10 winning the big 10. I have the best quarterback in the ACC winning the ACC. Not Drake May. That would be Jordan Travis, Florida State. 
I want to pick. I'm going to say Washington. That's an easy one. Washington is in. Washington's definitely it. Best quarterback, in my opinion, in the big in in the country. Penix Heisman, a hundred percent. I've been on Penix for Heisman since last year. That's a hundred percent the play. Now here's the hard thing: picking the fourth team. To me, it comes down to what my brain says and what my heart says. My brain says it's going to be Georgia. My heart says this is finally the year. This is the year that Lane Kiffin gets over the hump. Oh, oh. oh, I love it. I think this is the year he's accumulated enough talent. He went hard in the portal. He's probably number two or three. If you go prime, Florida State, Ole Miss is the three best portal schools, and I think two of them are making the playoffs. I'm going to take – I'm going to do it. Let's do it. I'm going to take Ole Miss. In the, Ole Miss. Wow, I love it. Florida State, Man. Penn State, Washington. We're going to go real weird. That's Why the hell not? Now that for the last – year of college football in its current, you know, 14 playoff <laughs> mode like that is, that would be a wild sort of ending to an era. Um, yeah, mine's tough. So mine's not that adventurous with the exception of Washington, which we all love. Um, I got them coming out of the West. I, well, I'll tell you what I would have said a week ago, which would have been Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Washington. And, uh, Alabama to win the national title. But Florida state was the team that impressed me the most. I really, I honestly, I thought they were overrated, not by a ton, but you know, there's always a team they hype up last year. It was Texas. I thought it was going to be Florida state after watching them play LSU, Ryan, you said it. I mean, they looked like an sec team. It wasn't just that they won the game or the score that they won by. It was the way they won and physically dominating. And so they're the team that jumped out where I was like, oh shit, I had this team all wrong. And this looks like a playoff team. They got a quarterback. They got great receivers. They got great D line. They can run the ball. They got it. They got the whole package. So I, I have to really think about them versus who I would have probably had at the four, which is Georgia. And, uh, as hard as it is to do to leave out a two-time defending champ, I, I think I have to switch it up. So I'm going to say Alabama, Florida State, Michigan, Washington, and uh, Alabama, Michigan final. Pretty good. I think this Michigan team's really good, but you know, they seem to choke it away when they play the elite SEC teams. So I can't pick them to win it all, but this is the best Michigan team we've seen in. Uh, a long, long yeah. time since the Chimanga Biakabatuka days. Uh, I have Washington winning the national title, beating Florida State. Yes, love it. Oh my God, I would love that so much. I'd be so be so happy if you're right. Of of so all the great. teams, like yeah, Washington's the one I want. You know, excluding Penn State, obviously, um, who I don't have in. But like Washington is the team that I would want to win. After that, like it would be cool to see this Florida State team win with what they've been through the last few years. Michigan, I'll never root for ever. And then Alabama, Georgia, like they've had enough. So Florida Dan, State or Washington what's, would be great. Dan, what's the over under on Ole Miss Washington playoff game? Neutral field turf. Uh, of it actually <laughs> happening? 
about 175 to one. No, no, no. What's the over under going to, if those oh, this, two played oh, in a playoff and a neutral 77, field, 78 and a half, 89 and a half. Let's go. I feel like, yeah, there's been a couple of games that have been like astronomical like that and they went under. So they'll be, they'll, they'll put that in the mid seventies, but those three receivers on Washington are all going to be in the pros. Uh, so I'll quick, we'll um, quick, two questions for you guys to end the show. Who is, we know Iowa is going to be involved, but I want to know if it were to happen this season, who would be your 29 and a half line teams that played and who would be your teams, two teams where you'd set the line at a hundred. All right. 29 and a half Iowa, uh, uh, Northwestern for sure. That, 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 is, that is a lock. Northwestern is having a football. We didn't talk about them, but they are by far the worst team that I've seen. They are so so bad. They are. They can't even play football. UMass and UConn are light years better than Northwestern at this point. UMass looked way better. Yeah, they can't get worse. So those are the two ones. And then, honestly, the hundred point game we're going to see it's Washington Washington, USC. USC. Yes. All right. Sign me up. I'm taking. I'm going to be so fucking fired up for that game. I can't wait. I just hope it's good weather, and I hope Penix has the ball last so much. Um, Can't wait. You guys are close. You got we got the second game right, and you got half of the first game right. Iowa is not the answer because Iowa will actually score defensive touchdowns in that game. The answer is Purdue, Western folks. Purdue. Did you see how bad they were in week one? They are horrible. They scored, though. Mm. The thing is, we'll find I, out. Yeah, we'll see. I'm Northwestern's by far the worst team in the Big Ten, and you know that's my area of specialty. I would put them, you know, much like you say, in Big, Big Lebowski. BC they are the they are the worst in the Big Ten West, which puts them very high in the rankings of the worst in Big the nation. Boston College, Northwestern, BC is fucking terrible. The problem BC. with the, the problem with Northwestern is they're actually so bad that even a team like Iowa could score a bunch against them. So you almost need a team that's not quite as bad. It's, it's Boston College. That's the answer. It might be Boston ne- College, might be Northwestern. Oh. 23 and a half. Let's oh. go. I'm, Northwestern hosts Iowa November 4th. Circle your calendars. Oh. All right. To bring it to bring it full circle back to the uh, Swamp Kings. One of the uh, really funny, interesting things is, you know, they do the Michael Jordan documentary thing where they flash like what year it is and what week it is. And then they always show Florida's movement up and down the pole. If you look closely, you can see like the whole top 25. Here are some teams that were in the top 10 during this era. Boston College. So that was before Adazio. So they were a top 10 team. California was second in the nation, gentlemen. And then obviously, you know, uh, West Virginia was famously ranked uh, in 2007 and blew it to pit. But that's right. That was a wild year. Seeing Cal and Boston College in the top 10, I was like, yep. did that really happen? That was uh, Beast Aaron Mode. And, uh, or is that Beast Mode? And it was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Sean Jackson. Was Deshaun Jackson on the team too? Um, might've been some crossover uh, that year. Hold on real quick. November 4th, Iowa at Northwestern, November 4th, 
Washington at USC, same day. What? Oh my. Worlds All are right. colliding. We, this was unplanned. <laughs> the greatest parlay in the history of sports is coming November 4th. In over and in under with a 50-point gap in the middle. All right, folks, I don't care if you listen to another Take the Points episode this entire year. Please tune in on what would it be like November 1st, October 31st. Yeah. Tune in for our yeah. Halloween episode. We're, we're, we might spend 30 minutes on each of those games and not cover anything else. That's fine. It's a big week. It's a big week. I'm excited. All right. With that in mind, we'll leave on that high note. Thanks for listening. Join us next week on the Take the Points College Football Podcast. So good. <laughs> so it's a big week. It's a big week.